Ladies and gentlemen, the huddle is a place where your leader galvanizes your squad to go out and get the task at hand accomplished. On this show, what is promised is the truth and personality that you will get from host Kenny C and the real Lil. So sit back, relax, and remember, what happens in the huddle stays in the huddle. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of In the Huddle. We are here on this Thursday, episode 89 of In the Huddle, and we have an absolutely loaded show for you guys today. And before we start off talking about each one of uh, the topics in sports going on, everything that's popping, let me introduce my co-host to you guys today. First, the real Will. Will, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great. I can't complain. Um, Championship Sunday is coming up, and I'm pumped up for that. And I'm just ready to go, man. I'm ready to get this show started. Yes, sir. Let's do it. And my other co-host with us today, Coach Mello, Cam Jones. Coach, how are we doing today? Hey, Zach, Belil. What's going on, guys? Happy Thursday to you all, man. Just happy to be here, as always. Can't wait to talk some sports with you guys tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. This is not your typical football segment tonight. We're going to spice it up a bit. Yeah, that's one thing while looking and preparing for this show that I saw. We're going to be talking some basketball. We're going to be talking some football. Loaded show, a balanced show. You guys ready to get to it? Yes, sir. Yes, All sir. Right, let's get to it. So, so to start off today's show, I want to get some reactions to the Brooklyn Nets and their game last night. The first game for the Nets in which KD... Kyrie and James Harden, their new big three, all suited up and played. But somehow, some way, those Cleveland Cavaliers end up getting the dub by a final score of 147 to 135. And I think I spoke about it on this show. That Sexland combination is really working out for the Cavs. And my guy, the young bull, Colin Sexton, just goes off for the Cavs. And I'm actually going to start this one off, uh, boys. And I just wanted to say my number one takeaway from the game last night is that Kind of what we said uh, when we discussed the James Harden trade at the time, the Brooklyn Nets need to learn how to play some defense if they want to win a championship. And my guy, the young bull, just absolutely cooked last night. I was very impressed. I mean, for me, man, like I uh, I'm going to piggyback off Zach. Honestly, if Brooklyn do not get their it together, they're going to be one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. It doesn't make no sense. Like, you're going against the Cleveland Cavaliers, respect to them, but, you know, that's a non-playoff team. Like, you're supposed to, you know, cook these guys out, you know, make them go home early. But, you know, for them to lose 147 to 135 yesterday, I was a bit disappointed. And Kyrie, bring that ass here, boy. Who tell you to take more shots than um, Kevin Durant yesterday? 28, 28 shot attempts? How dare you? And you know what's so crazy, too? James Harden was 6 of 14 yesterday. And I was shocked. I was like, wait, James Harden is a shooting guard. Why is Kyrie, you know, taking more shot attempts than Harden and KD combined? But, you know, I got to give it to the young bull and Colin Saxton. You know, he played one hell of a game yesterday, man. 42 points, you know, 38 minutes of playing time. Even though he only had five fouls, you know, I, I really see, like, hey, the future, you know, the future is bright for this kid. And also, too, um, yeah, this guy, the Nets, this guy get better defensively, man. Because, honestly, they remind me of the Houston Rockets of the East, if that makes sense. You know, they score a lot of points, you know, have a good offense, but they play no goddamn defense whatsoever. Well, yeah, man. And um, you said it, man. What is Kyrie doing? taking the most shots out of that group you know so for those people who said oh don't worry Kyrie's gonna be fine he's gonna take that back seat he's gonna sacrifice bro that doesn't go together 
those two things that that sacrifice and Kyrie don't go together. That's not in the same boat. Th those are on two different boats. Kyrie Irving is going to do what Kyrie Irving is going to do, which is, you know, get his buckets and, you know, obviously dribble the ball and get to the rack and, you know, probably find somebody open or not. But I noticed something. I don't know if y'all fellas um, noticed it watching the game yesterday, but I didn't see Kyrie Irving pass the ball to James Harden, especially in that second half. I did not see that at all. Maybe in the first half, but in the second half, I did not see Kyrie Irving pass that ball to James Harden one time. You know, so, yeah, the Nets, they sold, they sold. We already know that in that James Harden deal. So with that, we all should have expected them to be lackluster defensively. So I don't know if this is a big surprise to everybody simply because we knew um, defensively they was already garbage uh, before they made the James Harden trade. And then when they made the James Harden trade, we all knew they were going to take a step back even further defensively. So the fact that it's in front of our face, I don't think we really have to be surprised, to be honest with you, because, look, you miss Jared Allen. Jared Allen... On the other hand, on the other side, he had a good game as well. He had four blocks, 11 rebounds, 12 points. He played extended minutes in later, later on in the matchup. I guess that, you know, his coach wanted him to go out there against a former team and play. Um, even Teron Prince, you know, he chose yesterday to make buckets. You don't make buckets like that. The guy's pulling up for three-point land. When was he doing that for the Nets? He did it yesterday. So maybe it is a combination of, you know, Allen and Prince wanted to prove something against their former team, and Colin Sexton just got hot. But I can't overlook the Nets defense, man. They got to get better. And for anybody who think that you was just going to put three superstars on the same team and they was just going to wake up one day and win three championships, you don't know your sports because it's going to take time. This is a process that is going to take for the Nets to be where they want to be. My other main concern for the Nets looking at this game besides the defense is, is if you look at this box score, their bench had a combined 12 points, and you guys know better than anyone in the playoffs, if you want to win games, that's not going to get the job done. And I kind of feel this fear with the Brooklyn Nets looking at these guys where all of those uh, big three are going to be taking all the shots, all the shots, all the shots. I'm not necessarily sure if they could find other scoring and other productions from some of the guys getting used to a new role. I mean, Joe Harris coming off the yeah. bench shooting two of 10 from the field. He usually is better than that. So when you guys look at this Brooklyn Nets team, I'm going to ask you, what issue do you think is bigger? What issue do you think that if they want to win a championship, they're going to have to correct that lack of depth behind the big three or the lack of defense? I think it's both. I think it's both. Um, one thing the Nets had this year going into the season while I picked them to come out the East pre-Harden was depth and the fact that, you know, I knew J Jared Allen was a good shot blocker. And I know they obviously the defense was a problem, but I didn't, I didn't think it was too, too bad. I thought they had enough talent, enough depth to overcome that. Now, Spencer did really going down. Obviously, he got traded. The James Harden trade, Kyrie going ghost, probably led on to that trade. Now you gave away your depth along with having a bad defense that just got worse. So now you took, you know, a lot of your deficiencies became bigger deficiencies. And I just think it's a combination of both. Zach. I, I can't give you one answer. I just think that both matters. And the, the Nets are lacking both. And for Steve Nash not to go deeper into his bench to get some, you know, viable minutes in was a shame. I think Steve Nash played himself yesterday. I think he got cute. And he needs to not get so big three savvy and go deeper into the bench and allow um, Joe Harris to get, get his shots, allow Jeff Green to get his shots, allow other guys in that rotation to get their shots because you're not just going to randomly call on them and expect them when you need them to, for them to show up and get hot if they've been going cold throughout the whole year. 
And how say also too little. I believe that it doesn't make no sense. You know, those big three are playing extended amount of minutes. You get what, you get what I mean? Like these guys, I know for a fact they was tired as hell playing. Like how I say, KD played 15 minutes, Kyrie played fit, um, 48 minutes, Harden played about like half of, um about 45 minutes. I believe that you know Steve Nash needs to use his bench more. I, I get it that you know he traded away all the good you know all the good depth players, but you know hey. You know, it's too early in the season to overuse those guys. You get what I mean? Because it's going to hunt them later on down the line in the playoff, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boys. So looking at this game, uh, this whole game in particular, man, I'll say this. It's an NBA regular season game. And I think one thing I've really noticed in this NBA regular season so far is the fact that a lot of teams, I hate to say it, aren't really trying their best. Yeah, they're coming up, they're coming ready to play. But I feel like we're seeing a lot of results that we wouldn't necessarily expect to happen here in this regular season just due to the fact that it's a shortened season. These players are obviously still a little bit tired from everything that uh, went on in the bubble last year. So if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, looking at these next couple months until the playoffs start, you know, besides those main two things, are there any other things you would really want to see uh, to see if this team could get out of the East? Because they did beat the Milwaukee Bucks the other night. It was a really impressive win. And one thing I'll also say is when I look at some of the other teams at the top of the East, I don't necessarily know if one stands out uh, as a team that's like, okay, I'm confident they're going to go to the NBA finals and come out of the East, but we could all agree. Brooklyn three is very talented. So when you compare Brooklyn to some of the other teams in the field, how do you guys feel about that? Well, I would say this, Zach. I don't think the Nets' goal is just coming out the East. So that's the thing. Yeah. Even before the Harding deal, I believe that team should have been the favorite to come out the East. When they yeah. make a move like that for James Harden, selling away their soul, selling away their future, selling away their depth, that's yeah. just basically saying we want a championship. We are putting all our eggs. We are putting all our chips on this table, and we are going all in to win a championship. So if the Nets you know, get to the, get out the East. All right. Yeah. We expect them to, but can they go up against the, the likes of the Lakers with a lack of defense? The Lakers have depth. They have size. Can they be able to beat a team like the Lakers? How do they match up against the Clippers? If the Clippers was to upset the Lakers stylistically. So I think the Nets' main concern is, is, is getting to the championship and with the defense, man, when you think about it back to this game real quickly, the Cavs had the worst offense offense in the league. And you let them have 147 points. Colin Sexton just got back into the lineup, and he put up 42. So the Nets had to be concerned. I'm sorry, Zach. I kind of lost track of the question a little bit. I, I was going too much in depth. But, Cam, if you remember the question, you could respond to that. Uh, was it, wow. I mean, to that yeah, question, I, <laughs> I, really, I really don't have an answer to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to ask you guys right now, basically what I'm asking is, um, Will, you said you picked the Nets uh, pre-hardened to come out of the East, right? Right now, yeah. I only I, I know it's been a couple games, and I agree with you when you say, oh, after they got hard and their goal is to win a championship. But uh, right now, would you guys kind of pick the Nets or the field to come out of the East? Woo. I, I think the Nets. I still yeah, take the Nets. Yeah, I still take the Nets. I still take the Nets. I mean, I, I believe Milwaukee will still be a second-round bye-bye. Boston ain't all that. Toronto fell down. That's kind of what I mean, you know? I think when you look at the Nets, there's so many concerns with this team. But at the same time, looking at some of their competition in the East, there isn't really that one team that that sticks out. Yeah, Giannis. I mean, Giannis disappears again in the fourth quarter. He didn't take no challenge. He didn't take the challenge of guarding KD in that last meeting on MLK Day. My brother, it's MLK Day. Martin Luther King had a dream. Your dream is supposed to go over there and guard Kevin Durant and act like you're one of the best players in the league. You shot away from that. He don't want the smoke. So you know what? The Bucks are a daggone joke. And with the um, 76s, man, you know, 
you, you know, they're the 76ers, man. I, I think they're a good team, but who knows when Embiid and Simmons down the line. And the Celtics, who knows? They're a great team. At times, they can compete. They can come out the East. But sometimes, you know, Jason Tatum and Brown, they, you know, they have a game where they beat a great team, and then they have a game yeah. where it's like, yeah. Well, Will, it's funny. We were uh, talking about the other day. You saw our Knicks baby going into Boston and beating the hell out of the yeah. Celtics. I believe it's 30-piece. I know Tatum yeah. was out, but, you know, we'll see what happens, boys. I'm really excited to see and follow the trajectory of this Brooklyn Nets team. But any last thoughts on Brooklyn? That's it. All right, then. Moving on to the next segment of today's show. I feel a debate coming our way, and I want to throw this question out at you guys. The other day, Phil Rivers, a very successful quarterback, he announced his retirement from the NFL, the former Charger and Colt. So after I started it last segment, I'll throw it out to whoever wants to take it. Is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? I'll take this mic first, man. Um, look, it's hard. It's hard to say, but I'm going to give you an answer. I think he is. I think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, and I'm going to tell you why. Look, it may sound strange because it took Eli Manning, when he retired um, last year or the year before, time was flying. We've been in a pandemic now. My mind is, you know, looming. But whenever Eli Manning retired, whether it was last year or the year before, I said that that second ring, is what did it for me with Eli Manning because I just didn't believe outside of those two rings, Eli Manning did anything great. It took two rings. Phillip Rivers have no rings. So, Lil, how are you going to say Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer? Well, when you look at his playoffs woes, right, obviously he fell short a lot in the big moments. Three of those times Phillip Rivers got bumped was to the New England Patriots. In 2006, the Chargers were 14-2 only to lose in the divisional round against the Patriots in 2007. That great behind Patriots team that the, that the Chargers played in that playoffs in the AFC Championship game. Remember, Randy Moss, Tom Brady broke all records. They were undefeated that year. Rivers threw a pair of interceptions, yes, in that game, but they lost that game to the Patriots. Once again, in 2019, the Patriots played the Chargers again and lost in that divisional round, you know? So, look, am I going to be mad that you lost to the Patriots three out of the, the, you know, many times that you lost in the playoffs, I can't be mad at that. The Patriots are responsible for a lot of teams falling short. The Steelers is another name that come to mind, another team that come to mind that had talent, but just couldn't get over the Patriots' shadow, you know? And when you look at his regular season records and, you know, him registering 252 consecutive starts, including the playoffs, which is second to Brad Favre, I think that's a resume in itself. And look, there have been quarterbacks that made the Hall of Fame that have not won any Super Bowls. Five quarterbacks to be exact, Jim Kelly, Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, Warren Mood, and Frank called Talkington. Talkington. So those five quarterbacks made it. So Phillip Rivers can make it, and I think he should make it. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, for me, I do believe that Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. You know, besides the championship, you know, you could be like, well, he has zero rings. That's okay. I mean, I feel like his durability, ever since when he got to the league in 2004, he had the most consecutive, most consecutive start as a quarterback. You know what I mean? He barely missed the game. He played he played in an AFC championship game with a torn ACL, and he still came back the following season and still played the, the, the full 16 games. You get what I mean? And also, too, man, like his stats, man. You know, he's ranked um, fifth all-time in passing yards. He's ranked um, passing yards and passing touchdowns, matter of fact. Uh, he's ranked eighth all-time in, you know, wins, you know, 134 wins out of the 152 starts that he had. And also, too, man, he's just a great leader, you know, very, you know, he's a competitor each and every week. You know what I mean? You know, he's very knowledgeable in the game. You know, he knows when defenses are, are lined up wrong. And I just feel like, you know, 
besides you know those rings he you know he doesn't have i believe other attributes does make up for for his hall of fame candidate seat for philip rivers and he remind me of um brett Favre, like they just gunslingers. Like Philip Rivers remind me of that gunslinger mentality that yeah. Brett Favre had, where they're just slinging down the football field. Obviously, Brett Favre. The difference is Brett Favre does have a championship, and Philip Rivers do not. But we cannot underestimate the talent that he had. It's unfortunate that it didn't end in a championship. Let me ask you guys this, and I'm not going to uh, spark a debate on this. I just want a very simple yes or no answer. Would you guys say right now, if Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford, both of those two quarterbacks, if they retired right now, would they be Hall of Famers in your book? Just yes or no? Which are both of them? Can we choose one? No, no. Like, like look at each party individually. Is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? And is Matt Stafford? No? Hell no. Hell no. I actually put the hell in front of no. Because I I agree with you guys. So my question now is, what is the difference between those two guys' career and Phil Rivers' career? Oh, it's a big difference. I, I could sit here all day, but we, you know, for time, but I'm going to make it short as possible. Matt Ryan, obviously, he got to the Super Bowl on that great team. They lost, obviously, you know, choking like that. But look, other than that Super Bowl appearance, Matt Ryan has done nothing um, what Philip Rivers substantial. Philip Rivers, I mean, he broke, re- I mean, he threw for a lot of yards. He's top five in a lot of categories, you know? And Matt look, Stafford. Well, Matt, Matt Stafford. Top 10 all time in passing. But Matt right. Stafford made the playoffs one time. If my, right, right. Well, he made the playoffs one time. Well, Matt Ryan, he, he's won an MVP. Philip Rivers hasn't. He's made a Super Bowl. Philip Rivers hasn't. I personally don't think that Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. And let me tell you guys why. But, I, but Zach, 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 I would just say this, too. <laughs> to make this even more obvious and kind of in a way obvious is you have to look at the game. Sometimes you use stats, right? Sometimes you can use stats. You can always use stats for any side of it, a debate to make your debate work. But sometimes you just got to look at things from the eye test. When you pair up Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers, who is the better quarterback? I would think that would be Phillip Rivers. Am I correct? I would take Matt Ryan. I would. He's won an MVP. He's made a Super Bowl. Wow. I don't think so. What's it, Cam? Would you, what would you say? I mean, nah, man. Philip Rivers is definitely a better quarterback like than Like, Philip Rivers in his prime. I'm not talking about Philip Rivers now. But yeah, I think yeah. Matt Ryan, obviously. Hey, Matt Ryan in his prime won an MVP. Where's Philip Rivers' but, MVP? Wait, but look. Matt Ryan had stars around him. Philip Rivers. Okay, Philip Rivers had LaDainian Tomlinson. He had Keenan Allen. And they, and they made some good playoff runs. They beat the Peyton Man and the Colts in the AFC wild card, you know? So, I just think Philip Rivers... When you look at the eye test, Zach, I just think who is the better player from watching them? I have to say Phillip Rivers in his prime will okay. knock out both of them guys. Okay, I get it. I, I disagree, but I, I understand where you're coming from. Here's my main point, though, when I look at Phillip Rivers and, and why I don't consider him to be a Hall of Famer. I think that when we look at the Hall of Fame, part of the reason what makes these arguments so great is each of us have different standards. I think that if you put Phillip Rivers in the Hall of Fame – I don't think that's accurate because I think Phil Rivers belongs in the Hall of Very Good and not the Hall of Fame. And let me explain to you guys what I mean. I think the quarterback position is so important to the NFL. You guys know that. And I think when you look at some of the guys like the Lock Hall of Famers that have uh, played in in our era, I think that in order to be that Hall of Famer as a quarterback, you need one of two things. You either need to be in a part of a probably like a two or three year run as one of the four or five best quarterbacks in football. I can never remember a span where Phillip Rivers was a top four or five quarterback in football. And at the same time, 
I can't remember. In 2006, that's that's up for debate. In 2006, he had a hell of a year. They went 14 and two, and he was he no, was. But that was the young Phil Rivers, man. I mean, I'll, I'll look back at the numbers, but I when I think of Phil Rivers' best seasons, I don't look at 2006. But the other point I'll make is, you either need that like a good three four year stretch of being a top elite quarterback in this league, or I need a big time playoff moment that I could look at and say, okay, your team, not even the championship, but a playoff moment where I could say, look, this is the reason why his team won. And I can't point to, I can't find any moments of that with Phil Rivers. You compare him, hold on, one, one, more, one more point. You compare him to some of the other uh, quarterbacks that we've witnessed growing up, right? That I think are locks for the Hall of Fame, right? You obviously have Tom Brady, you have Peyton Manning, and then you get into the lower group of guys. You have uh, Ben Roethlisberger, two Super Bowl rings, you know, Hall of Famer. You even look at Eli Manning with his rings, Hall of Famer. I think Russell Wilson is trending towards being a Hall of Famer. You look at all these guys, and I just never would consider Philip Rivers to be in that same group. Yeah, I respectfully disagree. Um, look, I just think that Hall of Famers is not only measured by rings it's, and it's MVPs. I think that, that championships moment. and MVPs is arguments to make you a first or second ballot Hall of Famer. I think those are locks to be a second and first. And I'm not sitting here saying that Phillip Rivers is a first or second ballot Hall of Famer. I think his time will be later on, probably when he's old and gray. But I do believe that he should be in there, you know, because he did, you know, Philip Rivers was always looked at as that guy that was ultra competitive, you know, and defenders knew it. And he will, you know, throw for a lot of yards. He was a gunslinger. He, he had some playoff great moments. He beat, he beat some great quarterbacks in the playoffs. And it goes back to the point hey, that I told did, you last week, Zach. He beat Peyton Manning in the playoffs. He beat Peyton Manning twice. Twice, actually. Not once, twice. He beat him in the divisional round. Um, when he both times again when he was on the Colts, he beat him in a divisional round and wild card. And it goes back to the point that I say, um, last week that I said about Drew Brees and his shortcomings. It's so hard to win championships in the NFL, and that's just the reality of the situation. You know, not everybody is going to win championships. I know this is two different sports, but when you look at the NBA, how many um guys, talents like Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, how many guys? Or didn't have rings because of MJ. Now, how many quarterbacks don't have rings because of the daggone New England Patriots, you know? So I think it goes both ways. And I, I really do think that Philip Rivers may not be a first, second, or third ballot Hall of Famer. But at some point, before the brother meet his maker, he will be in the Hall of Fame. But you see what I'm saying when, I, when I'm pointing out that I'm making myself clear. The reason why I wouldn't consider Phil Rivers a Hall of Famer, it's not because he doesn't have any rings. I think there are plenty of quarterbacks that, like Dan Marino is obviously a Hall of Famer. He's never won a ring. I think there are guys, you know, playing now that if they never win a ring, have a chance to be in the Hall of Fame. I just can never look at Phillip Rivers having that one big playoff moment being the reason why his team won. The games you're talking about against Peyton Manning, yeah, that was a really good job by him. But Darren Sproles, I remember him going nuts in those games. I remember, uh, you know, LT going nuts as well. We could be, we could I be cannot... here all day because at the end of the day, Peyton Manning played with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. We could literally be here all day talking about the no, talent right, I get around it. the you position. See the difference, what, you see what the difference that I'm saying is that, like, when I look at those Colts I think that's I'm being unfair. I really do. As great as I those weapons, I think as that's great as those, But go ahead, go ahead. As great as those weapons were, when I looked at those Colts teams, I was saying that I think Peyton uh, Manning was the reason why they won and the reason why they were so uh, they were so successful. That that 2006 Charger team you're pointing about, they went 14 and two based on really everything around Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers was a young quarterback at that time, and I think when you look at the past 
six, seven to 10 years, I can't really point to that one moment in his prime where I've watched Phil Rivers in a big game. And I was like, wow, he was the reason why his team won. Every time I'm watching Phil Rivers, it's the same thing. Less than two minutes to play. His team's down by four. What's he going to do with the ball? And all those guys that you named, Peyton Manning, um, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, what did they all have in common? Great coaches. Name me a great coach that Phillip Rivers had other than yeah. last year. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, like Peyton Manning won with Jim Caldwell. Like, other guys could, could win without know, But he also won with Tony Dungy. And Brady yeah. won with Belichick. And probably mm-hmm. might win with Bruce Arians. Who knows? But that's not up. You know, that's not proven yet. Um, who else? Uh, ben Roethlisberger won with Mike Tomlin. I know you call Mike Tomlin the overrated coach, but he wasn't so overrated back then. Maybe now his play style is not living up to the, you know, the current NFL. Maybe it is getting played out. But at that time, Mike Tomlin was a great coach. a bad coach, you know, the so. reason why you're going to put Phil Rivers in the Hall most, of Fame. Most quarterbacks win with great coaches, bro, when you think about it, you know. Right, but I'm Russell saying – but you're saying – right, I get it. But you're saying that um, Phil Rivers – so part of the reason why you would put him in the Hall of Fame is because – compared to some of the other great quarterbacks, he hasn't had as good of a coach. For me, that's not enough for me to change my it's not only It's not only that, Zach. I, I kind of, like, went through the numbers, and, and I know Cam partially did, but, you know, that's up for debate. That's up for debate. Yeah, so uh, moving on to the next segment of today's show, always great debating with you guys, especially on a topic like this, a topic so, so 50-50 like I wish, Kenny, I wish Kenny C was here to break the, the split, you know? Shout out to Kenny C. He'll be back with us on Monday. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. But speaking of Kenny C, let's get into a big day for him on Sunday, the championship game. We have two big games, the doubleheader. While to start things off in the NFC, we will have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the number five seed. They will be heading to Lambeau Field, taking on the number one seeded Green Bay Packers. And then in the AFC, we will have the number two seeded Buffalo Bills heading to Kansas City. Arrowhead taking on the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So, boys, I'll start it off. Uh, I'll throw it to you guys. NFC Championship game will be starting us off. First game, that will be a 3-35 uh, tip-off uh, kickoff, I believe. Tampa Bay and Green Bay, what are we thinking about this one? Well, I do believe history does repeat itself. And the last time that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was in the NFC Championship, they ended up going to the Super Bowl. So pretty much what I'm trying to say is I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to upset the Green Bay Packers up in Lambeau Field, 27-24. to 24. Because I'm going to tell you why. For some reason, I, I'm going to see it already. The Packers' defense want to find a way to fuck up the game. Like they did last year against the Niners and like they did um, about five years ago, five to six years ago against the um, Seattle Seahawks. You get what I mean? I believe like the defense is going to collapse and Brady and Brady and company going to be pretty balanced and they're just going to torch, torch that defense either on the ground or on the air. Uh, also, too, like the Buccaneers' defense is coming along, you know, especially in their secondary. You know, they caused three turnovers last week on um, – Few turnovers last week against the damn <laughs> yeah, the Saints. The Saints. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. They caught two turnovers. Yeah, a lot has happened in your week. I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe that you know that secondary is going to do the same thing against Rodgers and company. I think you know they're going to try their best to slow down Adams. And you know I just feel like you know Brady. You know Brady's going to Brady's going to prove himself again to show why at his age right now he's going to go back to the Super Bowl as the oldest quarterback in NFL history. Will? Yeah, um, I think both teams, when you look at um, week six, I believe they played each other week six, right? Double check, right? You know, it was, uh, it was, it was weird is that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that both matches, both of the teams that they're, you know, going up against each other, the, the Buccaneers and the Packers and the um, Chiefs and the Bills, they all played each other in week six. The that Bills and – yeah, so this is a rematch. But on the Packers side of things, man – it reminds me of last year, 
you know, uh, when they when they beat when they got smoked against the 49ers and they ended up playing the 49ers again in the NFC Championship. What happened? They got smoked again. Um, the the Packers is an interesting team because yes, they have got gotten better, and while just have been playing MVP like football should probably be the MVP when this se- when this season concludes. On the Buccaneers, obviously. They didn't have it all figured out offensively, chemistry, continuity-wise. They have gotten way better since that point, too. So both teams definitely have got better. But there's an interesting stat here. Rodgers is 0-5 when he plays defenses that play zone on 61% of the snaps. You know, and the last time the Bucks played a lot of zone against Rodgers, what happened? They made Rodgers look silly, throwing interceptions to Jane, Jamal Dean and uh, three interceptions, I believe, in that game. So I do believe the Bucs have the slight advantage, even though people want to look at the weather um, and say, you know, it's Green Bay, it's a Fulgen Tundra, whatever they want to say. But, you know, I think that if Tom Brady can get his group of guys to buy in, you know, I heard a lot of excuses throughout the year that, oh, wait till they get to the playoffs. They've never been in the playoffs before. All right, Tom Brady had got them to buy in. So they went into the playoffs. They went into the Superdome. So all the things that people said they couldn't do because they didn't have that experience to do so, they did. So I think Tom Brady can get these guys wild up and go into Lambeau and pull up the upset in the cold, whether it's zero degrees, whether they play on Mars, whether they play in front of the daggone stars. I don't care. I think the Bucks are a hot team. They're peaking at the right time. And I like what they're getting out of their rookies. Tristan Werbs is the steal of the draft. Yes, I said it. He's a still of the draft. The best offensive lineman in that draft. No doubt about it. The brother has been almost perfect other than the Khalil Mack game, you know, when he got flipped over. That was terrible. But other than that, he's been perfect. Anton Ridfield Jr. been making plays all year. I may think he should be up there for defensive player of the year. We saw what he did, the fumble that he caused against Jared Cook last week. Also, Tyler Johnson made that great catch, had a couple games in there before Antonio Brown came in there, obviously, and messed up the rotation a little bit. He was doing his thing. And I do believe he should have a bigger role in that offense because where he played college ball at, Minnesota, in the cold. So he knows how to deal with the cold. So give Tyler Johnson a little bit more run. You also got the running backs, that one-two punch, Rojo and Leonard Fournette. They have fresh legs. Both of these guys have fresh legs because um, Rojo has some time off, Leonard Fournette hasn't got the majority of starting snaps throughout the whole year. So they're both fresh. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I just think they have something to prove. And I think Brady is going to be on his way to, you know, they're going to be the first team ever to play the Super Bowl in their own stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, we made history this year with a pandemic, and we're going to make history again. The Buccaneers will be representing the Super Bowl in their own stadium. Give me the Buccaneers 28-25. to 25. Now, one thing I will say about this game, and Will could confirm this, is that last week, even though I went on this show and picked the Saints to beat the Bucks, prior to the game, I did tell Will I was switching my pick. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. And I promise I'm not going to be doing that this week because I actually think the Packers are going to win. But I'll say this. I do give Tampa Bay a legit shot because I think Tampa Bay does provide some unique possible matchup problems for the Green Bay Packers that were showed in that week six game. Number one, Tampa Bay, as you guys know, they like to blitz a lot. And Green Bay's offensive line is not 100% right now. And I do think if Tampa Bay wants to win this game, that may be the way to do it. The other reason I think Tampa Bay has a real good shot in this game is because 
the Packers defense, as great as they've been over the last couple of weeks, and I've been the guy that has been comparing them to the 2019 Chiefs and the way their defense is starting to trend up and up uh, since the back end of the season has started. But one thing I will say is I was really impressed with Tampa Bay's running game against the New Orleans Saints. And in that game against Green Bay in week six, Leonard Fournette didn't even play. And he could be a big-time difference maker. And I'll say this, in regards to the, le- in t- in regards to the weather, Will, I'm going to take the Packers to win, but it has nothing to do with the weather. I think that it would be foolish to say, you know what? In the NFC Championship game, with a chance to go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to pick the Packers to beat the Buccaneers because of the weather. No, I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is this. I think that the Green Bay Packers and the way they're playing, they're looking like a team of destiny to me. This is a Packer team that I picked to win the Super Bowl before the playoffs started. I'm not going against that pick. And they really do remind me of the 2019 Chiefs, a team with a very good head coach who hasn't won a Super Bowl, an elite quarterback, and a defense that's starting to come on at the right time. And as great as Tom Brady has been, I give him all the credit in the world. He's done a great job, looked very good last week. I just don't think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go to the Super Bowl in Tom Brady's first year. I think it's going to take some time, Lil. I remember you saying throughout the regular season, you know, uh, the Buccaneers, as good as they are, uh, it's year one. They're going to need some time to get going. And I just think the way this Packer team is playing right now, they are unstoppable, man. The way this offense uh, is looking, they, against the Rams, it, it was too easy. They just ran the ball down the field, down the field, down the field. And one other thing I'll say uh, about this game is that this is the first game NFC championship game in his career that Aaron Rodgers will be playing in at Lambeau Field and I think that's a big big difference maker I think he's going to come out excited to play at home opposed to on the road and one other thing I'll say about this game is that when you look at this whole thing man it's going to be a great game it's going to be a a 50-50 game I just think the way Green Bay's offense is playing I'm going to give them the slight edge but one other thing I'll say is this I think the Buccaneers are kind of playing with house money. I think they could come out here and play a little bit freely. Obviously, their quarterback's the GOAT. He has six Super Bowl rings. I think this game means a lot to Aaron Rodgers' legacy as a quarterback, as the number one seed, as the guy that's probably going to win the MVP. I think all of the pressure is on Green Bay, and he'll rise to the occasion. Well, Zach, I would say this on the other side. When you talk about the Packers getting hot, they seem like a team of destiny. Um, when I look at the Bucks, you know, when they was on their winning streak, one of the things you brought up was the schedule. Oh, they had an easy schedule. They beat teams like the Vikings and the Lions without a coach at the stadium and the Falcons twice. But they all translated those, you know, um, games into victories. And they have won, I believe, six straight games when you include the playoffs combined. So when you talk about a team finding their stride, finding who they are, or, you know, figuring it out on the fly. This is a team that had that feels untouchable like Green Bay do. Green Bay feel untouchable because they haven't been stopped since that Buccaneers matchup. And the Bucs feel unstoppable because they have won six straight games in total, playoffs and regular season combined. So both teams are feeling their stride, and I don't think it's going to be a matter of, oh, um, Aaron Rodgers has something more to prove because Tom Brady has a lot to prove, bro. I'm hearing people don't even want to give Brady his credit for having six daggone rings. He still feel like uh, he's underappreciated. Oh, you couldn't do it without Belichick. Tom, you know, Tom Brady, I could could take a flight in Tom Brady's brain, you know, in his brain cells. I could go right in there, take a nice little flight to Tom Brady's brain. Leo, where you going? Um, Book me a flight to Tom Brady's brain. He feels like he's underappreciated. Like, him and Bill Belichick always been tied together. So he came into this season hungrier probably than he's ever been, which is scary. And he has got his teammates to buy in. 
You know, and that's exactly what I see. The defense is playing better. Everything is a trickle-down effect because of Tom Brady's leadership. Being the most penalized team, um, turnovers and penalties last year to being one of the least, you know, top five least this year. He has bought in, and I think they will continue to buy in. I just really think that, you know, the Saints was my biggest fear for the Buccaneers stylistically. I think the, the, the Buccaneers presents a lot of matchup issues for Green Bay. I really do. All right, so those are our picks for the NFC Championship game. After a quick break, we'll be back with our AFC predictions. Yes, sir. Moving on to the next segment, we just predicted the NFC Championship, and now it is time to predict the AFC Championship. So I'll actually throw it over to Coach Mello to start this segment off. We have in the AFC the Buffalo Bills heading to Arrowhead Stadium, taking on the Chiefs. Cam, what are your thoughts on this game, my man? Yeah, my thoughts here, this game right here is going to be a shootout, man. This game is going to be a shootout. You know, two, you know, two high-top offenses. I mean, right, the only thing I'm scared about is Mahomes' durability because, you know, last week, you know, he left the game with a concussion. It wasn't really a concussion, but just a nerve in his neck. And, you know, he was a bit gingerly on his foot. So that's the thing I'm kind of looking forward for. But overall, I, I could just see, like, this being a shootout. I do think that, the, you know, since the Chiefs are at home, they want to come out victorious. I have the Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills, 37-34. to 34. Well, um, this is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. I can see this going either way. I remember we had a episode a couple, a couple weeks ago, and I said, and we had a debate. Debate was on – who was the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs? Now, I remember I actually picked the Bills. Um, if y'all remember, I could post a flashback. But um, I said that for a reason. And I said that because not because I just wanted to talk, not because I just wanted to have a hot take. It's because I really felt that way. I think that the Bills, something with the Bills this year, man, it's just, it's, it seems like a Cinderella year for them. It really is. And, you know, they have gotten better since that point that they played the Chiefs early in the year. I didn't like the way how they played. I didn't like the way how Josh Allen played. I believe he was 14 to 26, if I'm remembering from the top of my head. Um, and I just think that they have gotten better. Stephon Diggs, he's proven to be the great addition of the offseason. And the offense is rolling. Now, with that being said, when you look at these two playoff matches, the wild card and the divisional round for the Buffalo Bills, I didn't think they looked particularly great. I remember saying that last week. I think against the Colts, the Colts dominated the time of possession, should have won the game. They failed to execute. The You know, Josh Allen made enough plays improvising on his feet to be able to steal that game. Same thing last week. You know, the Ravens shot themselves in the foot, made it so much easier for the Bills to win that game. But the Bills know they can't depend on the Chiefs to lose them that game for them to win that game. They know they got to go into our head and they got to go and steal that victory. And it's going to take them being able to execute on offense and being able to go score for score with Kansas City, which I believe they're more than capable of doing, and which I believe, again, that they will do. I'm going to go with the Bills, the, bu the Buffalo Bills. Yes, Bills Mafia, you will be going back to the Super Bowl, says Lil Shadam is here. I'm going to go with the Bills 31-24. to 24. Look, Josh Allen, like I said, second runner-up to, to watch his MVP in the conversation, and I just think that they have a game plan. Stephon Diggs, like I said, short routes, deep routes. He's going to be a tough matchup. Cole Beasley. And the, the Bills have been great on the road this year. Other than that, Hail Mary, or Hail Murray, however you want to say it, they've been good on the road this year. They've been excellent on the road. Arguably better on the road than at home this year. So I think they're going to go into Kansas City, 
and get that upset. I really do. 31 to 24. You know, Will, it's funny. I remember throughout this football season, one common topic that we've actually agreed on, and we've both on, been on the same bandwagon, is that we have both believed the Kansas City Chiefs are very beatable. We both thought that when they're going through these games, sleepwalking and bored, they better be careful because eventually someone's going to pick them off. And I did agree with you in the sense that, okay, maybe the Bills could be a threat. But I got to be honest, last week watching that Browns game, it hit me like, man, now these are the Chiefs that everyone's been talking about as the Super Bowl champs. Now, Pat Mahomes was just going down the field with ease. And when I mentioned in the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game that the Buccaneers have some matchup problems with Green Bay that I think they could expose, and if they want to win, they're going to really have to take advantage of that. I'm actually going to have to disagree when you say that uh, Buffalo has a little bit of a formula to beat Kansas City because here's my issue with Buffalo. They still can't run the ball. And you know the formula to beat the Chiefs. You got to take advantage of that time of possession. You got to do your best uh, to keep Pat Mahomes off the field. I actually disagree. I actually disagree with that. And I understand why you brought that up, Zach. I'm not trying to question your credentials because that is the norm credential um, that you had to run the ball in order to keep Pat Mahomes on the bench. But I see teams do it all the time and it doesn't work. You know, and I just feel like the Bills have a different formula. You know, sometimes you kind of got to invent a formula to beat somebody because a formula that everybody say to use is not daggone working. And yeah, it could work. You got to execute, and that's the big thing here. The Bills got to execute. On third downs, they got to be able to make those th- them third down throws, which I do believe with Stephon Diggs, the safety net, they will do so. They will convert on third downs, and I do believe that they can go score for score. And I like the way how their defense has been playing as of late. This defense, compared to the last defense that Kansas City saw, is not the same defense. I think they're playing with confidence, and I think that confidence is going to travel. But go ahead. One other thing I'll say about the Bills and my kind of worry for them in this game is that I am as guilty as anyone, and Will, you are too. We were all over the Ravens last week. We did not expect the Bills to come out like that. But one of the main reasons why the Bills were able to exploit Baltimore so badly was because their defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, as we spoke about last week, he woke Lamar Jackson dead in the eye and was like, look, if you want to beat us, you're throwing the ball because we're not letting you run the ball. I don't think the Buffalo Bills are obviously going to be able to do that with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm going to throw this one out at you guys. Throughout this pandemic, one of the main talking points uh, early was that Michael Jordan documentary. And one of that main documentaries was that uh, food poisoning pizza game, whatever, against the Jazz. When he wasn't feeling too well, he balled out, and that was really the reason why the, Bull, uh, the Bulls won. I think when you look at Patrick Mahomes, the possible doubt of him playing, it's not 100% sure that he's going to play coming off the concussion. I think that he's going to take the fact that Josh Allen and not him finished second in, uh, in the MVP. I think that he's going to take that personally because we saw earlier this season when the Chiefs were doubted uh, during that Monday night football game against the Ravens, that was the only game this season where the Chiefs were underdogs and we know what happened. The Chiefs just came out there ready to play and punch so Baltimore think, in the mouth. I'm expecting a similar outlook here. So do you think that – I don't really feel like based on media hypeness, I don't really feel like they're being the underdogs here. I may be wrong. Maybe we watching it's different like shows, you said but Tom Brady, dude, you know what I mean? I, I, I agree when you said I, um, I never really thought that the Chiefs was an underdog. I think the Chiefs are the favorites by the metrics. You know, they are the favorites to win this match, and them being at home, I think that the the Bills are not getting their proper jurisdiction due. But I just think it all is go, it all going to come down to the football field and what transpires on it. But I would say this: when you think about Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, everybody was talking about the throw off that these guys may have 
in the offseason who could throw the ball deep down the field the most. Well, you want to have a Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes battle. I'm not, it's not necessarily going to be a throw off, but it's going to be a daggone football game that decides who visits the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think also just when you look at this game, what I meant by that reference was that kind of how you said, Will, we all know Tom Brady, he's won six Super Bowls, he's the GOAT, but part of what makes him so great is that he motivates himself. He's able to think to himself, like, look, as you said, they everyone's saying, oh, Bill Belichick was the main reason the Patriots won all those chips, and I have to show, uh, you know, how good I am and how great I am. I think when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's kind of built in that similar way in the sense that, look, the Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs, and we're as guilty as anyone. We were out here saying uh, late in the regular season that, okay, this team is really struggling. This team is really struggling to put teams away. And I'm not only predicting the Chiefs to win, I'm actually predicting the Chiefs to win big. I think their offense goes off in this game. And uh, I think Buffalo, as great of a season as they had, one year away. When you're away, so what would be the determining factor of this game? What 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 do you think might transpire? Like I the think, last possession, or I think the Bills. I think the Bills front seven is going to get exposed. As great as their secondary is, I yeah. don't think. I think their defense is their defense played great last week. There's no denying that. But that's yeah. against Lamar Jackson. That's when you know that he's going to be running the ball down your throat against this Chiefs offense. It's a totally different animal with those weapons. It's a totally different animal, and uh, the Chiefs are getting healthier and healthier as time goes on. Well, when you talk about the Chiefs, one of their main pet peeves, I would say, is the defensive line. Obviously, the Bills' pet peeve is that they can't run the daggone football. They're one-dimensional. I do believe if they try to, let's say, they, you see, the Bills are interesting because they can go into that game looking the same. First of all, I would say this. When you look at the Bills, let me take off my, my sweater because I'm getting hot. It's getting hot oh, in here. Nelly, oh, I, hope Nelly oh, just, oh, I, hope, I hope Nelly didn't just walk in my house. You feel me? <laughs> But um, when you look at the Bills, right, they showed uh, – there was like a camouflage. What I mean by that was they was playing the game a certain way, um, you know, towards the end of the regular season. And when it got to the playoffs, you've seen a lot of um, Josh Allen base. And we didn't see too much Josh Allen base. It was him throwing the football. But in the playoffs, it started off this year, we've seen a lot of runs, a lot of – almost like Lamar Jackson. He was almost used like a Lamar Jackson. And I feel like that confused a lot of teams because, yeah, they knew he was athletic and he could make plays with his legs, but they didn't know they was going to run that type of system. I, obviously, it's probably the way how the game presented itself, but they were still able to build on that success. When you go into this matchup against the Chiefs, yeah, the running game has been lackluster this whole year. It's been non-existent. But with the Chiefs defensive line that is not great, yeah, they make plays on the defense when they need to. If the Chiefs – if the um, Bills, rather – wanted to say, how about we switch it up and run the daggone football and try to stick with the run and get it going against the Chiefs defensive line and actually play that style that you said was their best chance of winning, which is running the football if they can if they can win the football. They can do that. Or they can, you know, there's a way, there's a lot of ways that the Bills, I believe, can run their offense and, and sustain, sustain some success. Against the, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Not to mention, I do believe the hunger is there. The Chiefs probably still hungry. They won a championship last year. They probably thinking about a dynasty. But the Bills, I know more than ever, they're definitely hungry. And they showed it all year. And I do believe the Bills are a very dangerous team. But like I said, I can talk all this talk. They still got to walk the walk. And we'll wow. see what happens come Sunday. That's part of what makes football so great, is just being able to come on this show and debating with you guys 
the chess match. Which team is going to be able to take advantage of each other's weaknesses? And I'm going to miss it. You know, only three games left in the season. But, boys, just wanted to say thank you so much for recording today. Always good to break it down with you guys. Likewise, my boy. Always good to debate. Always good to debate with the fellas, man, because at the end of the day, man, everybody had their debates within their families and friends and people around the world debate sports every day. So at least if we debate on the show – People that's watching the show, we at least get in somebody's perspective. Somebody's perspective is agreeing with one of us on the show, you know, and we bring different ideas to the table for different people, you know, for different people with different ideas. So I'm glad we're able to trigger that, and I'm glad we're able to do it successfully, and I'm looking forward to the many episodes we got coming along. All right, boys. Everyone enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll be uh, back at it on Monday. Go Bucks.